0: Let's pray, shall we? (laughs) Father, we just thank you for this absolutely awesome time that we can spend in your presence around your word. And Lord, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And God, you can just breathe on that and cause there to be light and life come into our situation, our circumstances. So we're expecting, Lord, this morning for you to speak to us, and to challenge us, and to help us move on in our walk with you. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we've been doing a series called Keys to Living for God in a Secular World of Compromise. And last last week, uh, or last time, two weeks ago, we looked at the subject, the writings on the wall. And so we talked about all those things that are absolutely fixed and firm, Uh, in our lives. We talked about the fact that every one of us are going to die, and then we're going to stand before God. We talked about the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way for us to be made righteous, and he's the only way that we can have a relationship uh, with God. And so how important that is to um, get our lives right with him, uh, because at the end of the day, we can't avoid not standing before God. And um, we took that from Daniel chapter 5. And now, uh, as we saw last, last time, the, um, the Medes and the Persians had come in. And they had uh, broken through the walls of Babylon. And uh, they had taken over. And the previous Babylonian king, Belshazzar, was killed. Uh, and now, uh, in Daniel chapter 6, we find Daniel serving another king. And this time it's King Darius. And uh, so we're going to pick it up on Daniel chapter 6. We're going to uh, read the first five verses there. And they're up on the wall behind me. And it says this. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them So that the king might not suffer loss. So basically, one of their jobs was to collect the the taxes in the land and to make sure that all the taxes were being um, paid properly. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless... It has something to do with the law of God. The title of my message this morning is Simply the Best. And uh, this is not taken from the Tina Turner song at all, just to clarify that. But uh, Daniel was simply the best administrator in the whole of Babylon. And as I was praying into this... um, That passage stood up. I was actually going to be preaching on Daniel in the lion's den, which is the uh, message that comes after this one. But these these words just really, really uh, underlined themselves for me that they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel. And uh, as I prayed into it, I realized that God wants us to be simply the best in life. Now, we can't be Daniels. Turn to the person next to you. And assuming the name is not Daniel, say, you can't be Daniel. (laughs) You were created to be you. Uh, Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you, this is God talking, and he's talking to Jeremiah, but he's talking specifically to us. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before... You were born, I set you apart. And so the plans and the purposes that God has for each and every one of us were put in place before we were even born. And we were created special and unique with the God-given plan and purpose for living. And God has given each and every one of us gifts that will enable us to be everything that God has created us to be and to do everything that He's planned and purposed for us to do to be the best you. We can't be someone else. One of the big traps that we find today is that people have idols and they want to be like somebody else when God has created them quite differently. I would love to be a worship leader, but guess what? I can't sing. God has given me different gifts to other people He's given you specific gifts which are appropriate to you and your situation and your circumstances. We can learn from others, and so we can look at Daniel and we can see he was the best, the most trustworthy administrator in the land, and even his enemies could find no corruption or no negligence in him. Wow, that's a that's a pretty big underlined statement, isn't it? That even those that hated him could find absolutely nothing wrong with him. What an amazing example of a godly person working in a secular position that God was blessing and giving influence and favor. And when Daniel and his friends were captured first and taken to Babylon, God gave them wisdom, gave them understanding, gave them knowledge about life and living so that they were recognized by the king and given influence and responsibilities in the land. And we might not have the administrative skills that Daniel had, but in the areas that God has gifted and placed you, you should work towards becoming an amazing witness by becoming faithful and trustworthy and the best worker in your company or in your department. Amen? Amen. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So it doesn't matter where we are working, whether we're on the farm, whether we're working in a shop, whether we're at home, It's Jesus Christ that we should be serving. In our places of work, we are serving the Lord, so we should aim to be the best that we can be. And in the day-to-day nuts and bolts of your work, work to make the most of the gifts and the opportunities that God has given you. Work to be the most reliable witness you can be because... You will be a witness in your workplace and your neighborhood, either a good witness or a bad witness, but you will be a witness. And ask God for his wisdom, ask God for his gifts so that you can be more fruitful and successful. Uh, we, We saw when we first started off this series from Daniel 1 verse 17 that the Uh, Four Hebrew uh, men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And um, then at the time that was uh, set, they were brought before Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, it says that he found none equal to these four Hebrew guys. In every matter of wisdom and every matter of understanding about which the king questioned them, He found them 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Why? Because God had given them wisdom. God had given them understanding. They put God first so he was able to trust them with wisdom and knowledge. And that should be the same for us also. Most of kingdom living happens outside of these four walls. As much as God helps us to live a godly life, to pray, to worship, to serve Him in the church, He passionately wants to help you do well in the home. He wants you to do well in your neighborhood. He wants you to do well in your place of work. Uh, In fact, Ed Silvozo uh, says that our primary call is not to build the church, but to take the kingdom of God Where the kingdom of darkness is still entrenched, in order for Jesus Christ to build his church. Let me say it again our primary call is not to build the church, but to take the kingdom of God where the kingdom of darkness is still entrenched, in order for Jesus to build his church. When Jesus chose his disciples, none of them were priests or rabbis, they were all from the marketplace, they were fishermen, they were farmers. There was a doctor. There was a public servant there. Uh, R.C. Sprawl said the cradle of the church was the marketplace, from the preaching and the public ministry of Jesus to the daily acts of the apostles. The central scene was not the church gathering, but the marketplace. It's where Jesus and the early church did most of their miracles. Out there, the leaders of the early church were all marketplace workers and they were anointed for ministry in the marketplace. So you see, in the Old Testament, when God wanted to build the tabernacle, he chose a builder to build it, not the priest. So in Exodus 31, verse 1, it says, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God with skill, ability, knowledge, In all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. So you see that this builder was anointed by the Holy Spirit to be a great, great, great builder. God needed men like Moses and Aaron and Joshua, but he also needed builders. And the work God called him to do in the marketplace needed a special anointing for the task. Moses was anointed to set a nation free. Joshua had the spirit of conquest upon him. Jeremiah had the mantle of the prophet. Bezalel was anointed for design and building. David was anointed for administration and the prophetic, and all of them were fantastic witnesses for, the, for God and for kingdom life, but they're all different. And each and every one of us are different. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Gosh, you're different? We're all different. I've got two sons, and they're both very, very, very different. Actually, I, um, I went to a, um, a wedding. Actually, it was Josiah's wedding um, a little while back, and I went up to Rosie to talk to her, and uh, it wasn't Rosie. <laughs> it was her identical twin sister. But most of us are different. <laughs> But even, even identical twins uh, generally have different giftings and they certainly have different fingerprints. So even identical twins, identical twins um, formed from the same egg uh, in the womb, are different and have different callings on their life. And God's will for you in your vacation is to function under the shadow of the Almighty It says in the Psalms, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So what that means is when we walk out of the church, when we go out of the church building, we don't leave God in here, but God goes with us. And we can hear his voice sometimes clearer in the marketplace than in a busy service like this. God is with us. And God's will for our vocation is to be involved in it with us, to anoint us, to equip us, to help us, to expand our influence in the place that He's called us to work. God expects to do things in our place of work that will lead us astounded. There are four levels of Christian involvement in the marketplace. I just put this up for your reference. There are those that are just trying to survive at work, and some of us here this morning are just trying to survive, okay? There are those that apply biblical principles to their work. There are those that do their work in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And there are those who are committed to the transformation of their place at work. And Daniel was definitely looking for transformation in the areas of influence, and so should we. Darius, the king over Babylon, loved Daniel. But there was a whole lot of others who were jealous of Daniel and absolutely hated him, and they hated his success. And, you know, that can be true of us as well. Uh, two Corinthians chapter two verse fourteen says, "But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in the in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him." There is a smell about us. There is an anointing about us. Uh, New Age people say, would say, "There is an aura." Over us, But there is something that sets us apart. And it goes on and says this, For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. In other words... Some people that you work with are just going to be drawn to the Holy Spirit in you and you will have favor and great opportunities with them. I think my boss, when I was working for New Zealand Dairy, um, the general manager of dairy company, he really liked me. Uh, When he asked me to apply for Job of technical executive, I put in the worst job application that I have ever seen. Honestly, it was absolutely terrible. It was a one-page job. It was one-page resume. It was a very, very poor CV. I didn't know any better. I was 30 years old. There was no training in how to put a job application in or whatever. But he took it and he gave me the job. And, I, and, and he got saved a couple of years later. And, but I think it was the Holy Spirit uh, that just attracted him to me. But probably the most outstanding thing, as I look back, was after I left, left the dairy company, uh, I remember a few years later, I was at a conference in New Plymouth. And there was an AOG uh, conference, annual conference, and this, um, this lady came bounding up to me. And she said, oh... You're Don James, aren't you? And I said, yes. And she said, do you remember me? I used to work in the laboratory next to you at Martangy. This was in the very early days. So this would have been in the the 70s. And uh, I said, oh, I remember you. Didn't remember her name, but I remembered her. And um, I said, how come you're here at this AOG conference? And uh, she said, well... She said, I, um, I left the dairy company, went to Sydney. And she said, I went through quite a dark time in my life. I ended up on uh, prostituting on the streets of Sydney. Uh, and then she said, a, um, a person came and witnessed to me and told me about the love of Jesus Christ. And I got born again. I got saved. And I started going to a church over there. And I got my life on track. And I said, oh, that's absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And she said, you know, As I looked back, I realized that there was something different about you. She said, I always knew it. Even when I was working in that lab, there was something about you that was different from everyone else. Now, I never had a conversation with this lady. Uh, I'd never witnessed to her. But she picked up that there was something different about me, and it was just the Holy Spirit in me. And it's the same spirit that you have in you. And it's the same thing that other people will see in you and know that you are different. You will stand out from the crowd. It's the fragrance of God on your life that is there as you allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in and through you. But there will be others who will hate you because you are a Christian you will be to them the smell of death to these especially we've got to be beyond reproach I remember a time when I was doing a, a joint exercise with the Darius Church Institute this is when I was just working in the laboratory I didn't have any position of authority or whatever and um, we were up at Tuakau uh, measuring the wastewater in the factory and trying to help them to increase the yields and um, this sort of thing. And I, I remember the guy who was leading the DRI team, he absolutely hated me. I hadn't done anything wrong that I knew of. But I wasn't a boozy sort of a guy. I wasn't a womanizer like this guy was. And it was just what was in him... Hated what was in me. In fact, it was interesting that he put in a complaint against me and I was um, um, pulled up before the then the technical executive of New Zealand Dairy, the guy whose job I was going to take in a few years' time. And, um, and this guy started questioning me and, and I said, well, I can't see that I've done anything wrong. And, and one of the complaints was that I didn't relate to the people that were in the factory there. And I said, well, that's actually, that's a lot of bullshit is what I said. <coughs> Excuse me, just <laughs> quoting the, um, the actuals. And um, I said, because one of the guys, one of the operators, he said, he invited me to the baptism of his, um, of his child coming on next week. And the guy said, oh, yeah. And I told him a whole pile of other bits and pieces about how, how uh, things were happening. But when I look back on it, it was the Holy Spirit in me that this guy didn't like. And what we've got to realize is that Ephesians 6.12, our struggle isn't about against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, we have to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, stand. The enemy in people hates the Holy Spirit in you. So don't be surprised when people get in your face and you, just because you're a Christian. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But prayer is the absolute key to breaking through in these situations. Don't fight against them. Don't fight against the people who are against you. You stay sweet before God. You do the best that you can to do the to. Serve the Lord in the place that he has put you, but pray. Pray for a breakthrough. And as we're going to see next time, Daniel was an awesome man of prayer. But it's the demonic, not people, who react to us. I found the more the Holy Spirit begins to move, the more the enemy tries to stir things up. And uh, that passage that we've just read, we're going to see that those guys set a trap to try and get Daniel killed simply because he was a Christian, simply because he served God. So if you are in that situation, just know that greater is he who's in us than he that's in the world. Now, if you're a terrible worker, you will be justly criticized. That's not what we're talking about. But if the enemy is attacking you because of the Holy Spirit in you, then you need to know that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that accuses you in judgment will be condemned. This is the inheritance of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. If you are faithful, you are doing your job the best that you can. If you are being attacked because of the Holy Spirit in you, then you can be sure that the God of the universe will be by your side and He will destroy those weapons that are formed against you. Amen that's a pretty good that's a pretty good promise to hold on to we need to work at becoming simply the best in our workplaces and in our homes and in our neighborhoods but you won't be the best at your god-given vocation without becoming simply the best person that you can be doing always follows being and what we do Do on the outside will be a reflection of who we are on the inside. Jesus said the good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. And the outward situation, the outward circumstances will be the result of what has come forth from within. So if you want to be the best that you can be at your job, it's not just enough to study. It's not just enough to work at your trade. You need to become the best person that you can be on the inside. So there's a TV program. Anyone seen the TV program called Sliders? It's a science fiction um, program where basically there is a myriad of different... Universes with different versions of everyone. So in one universe, you could be the President of the United States. In another universe, you could be a pauper in India. Well, that's the background of the program. And of course, I don't believe in multiple universes. But I do know that we all have the potential to change and grow ourselves and become different people. So, what does the best version of you look like? Have a think for a moment. What does the best version of you look like? Are you thinner and healthier? Are you better with your finances? Is the best version of you no longer single? Does the best version of you have a better marriage? Does the best version of you pray more? Is the best version of you closer to God? Maybe all of the above. But perhaps a more important question is, what does God's best version of you look like? After all, he made us. He knows what we can become. Actually, Ephesians 4 uh, gives us the answer to this, what God's best version of view is like. It says in verse 11, It was Christ who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, God's best version of us looks like Jesus. That makes sense? And we are all on a journey... One step at a time. The Apostle Paul, it's interesting, uh, wrote Philippians at pretty much the same time as he wrote the book of Philemon. And the book of, in Philemon 1.9, Paul describes himself as an old man and a prisoner of Jesus Christ. How many old men are here beside me? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of old men here. Okay, well, Paul was an old man. Paul was an old man when he wrote Philemon, and he was an old man when he wrote this passage in Philippians. And he says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onwards to Jesus I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. So this old man hasn't settled into retirement, but he's pressing on and he's running to become more like Jesus Christ. And he's done this through his focus and personal relationship with Jesus. Without knowing the goal, we have diminished results and diminished possibilities of actually getting to where we want to go. When we know who we are to become like, then small efforts consistently applied can yield big results. I know our pastor back in Hamilton used to say, if you aim at nothing, you're bound to hit it. And that is true. But when we know that we are supposed to be changing and to become more like Jesus Christ... We can look at what Jesus was like, we can compare him to ourselves, and we can see the areas that we've got to change. You see, when you spend time with someone, you pick up their good points, and you avoid their bad points. So Penny and I have been married for 42 years, I think. Let me just get that right. Let me just get that right. Yeah, 42 years. okay. So we know each other pretty well. So she knows the things that I'm good at. She knows my good points. And she knows my bad points. And the same goes with Penny. I know her strengths and I know her weakness. So what does that mean? So that means her strengths encourage me to make those strengths my strengths. And her weaknesses... Encourage me to avoid those things and not be like that. And the same is true when we are building a relationship with Jesus Christ. The more we get to know him, the more we realize his incredible strengths. But also, it shows up our weaknesses in the relationship. And the Holy Spirit shows us those things that we need to change to become more like Jesus Christ. You know, if you want to become God's best version of you, work at becoming more like Jesus. I think right now, most of us have that inner prompting, that, that sense that there is more in God than we are experiencing for ourselves right now. How many would agree with that? There is more in God than what we are experiencing right now. You see, where we started in God is not where we want to stay. Because we have outgrown yesterday's blessing. We all come to a point where what we have received in years gone by is not enough to sustain us today. So it's time to believe God for something more something fresh. In fact, it says in the book of Hebrews, today if you hear his voice. Today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart like they did in the wilderness. In other words, there is a today word. There is a today thing that we need to be doing. There is a freshness in our relationship with God. Uh, The psalmist said, sing unto the Lord a new song. And it's really important that we stay up to date and the things of God. By the way, just um, we're talking about um, being good neighbors before. Well, yesterday you wouldn't have known, but as a church, we're a good neighbor to our neighbors across the road. They've been a tremendous blessing to us, and uh, so we have had the opportunity to bless them a number of times. And yesterday, they held their Northern Regional Conference here in this auditorium. And so uh, we were able to bless them and, uh, because our building holds more than what their building does. And they had um, just over 300 people in here on Saturday and had a great meeting, and enjoyed, enjoyed all the facilities that we have every week. And so good on you, people. We were a great blessing to our church neighbors. But I don't want to live off those few Bible verses that God gave me 20 years ago. I don't want to settle where I started. I want God to use me more. I want to hear him more clearly. I want fresh stuff from God each day. I want his Holy Spirit to flow through me more easily. And I want to have a greater impact for God and his kingdom than what I experienced last year or the year before or 10 years more. We need a deeper, deeper connection with God, a growing sense of joy, uh, less fear, more trust, a growing sense of being rooted in love, a deeper sense of God's plans and purposes for us, and we need to become more like Jesus Christ. I want to become God's best version of me, which is simply the best. Amen?